In 1 Peter chapter 1, we continue our study, our good study of this great book. I was reading this week and I read a, there's a British, and I didn't even know there was such a thing, there's a job called demographer, which looks at the demographics in many, many, many different areas of life. And he reports that the church is losing, not our church, the church in North America, in Europe, the church is losing 7,600 attendees a day. That's 53,000 people who leave the church each week and do not come back. That's a staggering number to me. Did they say why? Did they look at why? Well, he just made the... That's what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> he left it there, Susan, and I'm going to talk about why I think. I think one of the reasons... I appreciate you asking. That's a great segue. I, I, I think the primary reason is because people that come to church... Well, I, there's, a, there's a number of reasons, no doubt. But I think they, they, when people that come to church, they, um, they don't find the biblical love and community that they're searching for, that their heart is searching for. I think that's why people stay here, because they do find it. And I, I believe that it's, it's, a, it's a sad, sad, uh, disturbing um, statistic that that many people are leaving the church. And I, in answer to your question, no, he didn't say it because I, I, he didn't look at it from a Christian perspective. But when I read that stat, I said, I, I know why I hear a lot of people go to church and then don't go back because they say, well, I don't find any encouragement there. I don't find forgiveness there. I don't find truth there. Um, I don't find comfort there. I don't find friendship there. I don't find acceptance there. All those are centered in the love of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and I think that may be what Peter's hitting on today when he talks to this scattered group of Christians all over Asia Minor who are being persecuted, who are suffering, some being persecuted for their faith, some losing their life for their faith, and yet some are, are suffering from being ostracized in that community they lived in. Some are losing their jobs. Some, their family members have told them to leave. And so Peter looks at this group of people and he said, look, you started off, if you'll remember, in the first uh, um, 10, um, uh, uh, 12 verses of the chapter of chapter 1, he said, walk in hope. And then he said, walk in holiness, which we talked about last Sunday. And then he starts a new section today where he said, walk in harmony, walk in harmony. I'm going to read the entire text, 22 through 25, but I'm only going to talk about verse 22 today. The other verses describe that in our study of this important passage. The New Testament church was characterized by one common trait, and that was how they 
loved and shared with one another. If you start at the Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, where the great revival took place and 3,000 people were saved, if you read on into the next chapter 3 and 4, you'll see how that they started, they, all things they had were in common. And they met, you know, you think we go a little long sometimes, they met every day. <laughs> so they were going from house to house, sharing, fellowshipping, and it's a trait of the, of the church. The early New Testament church was what they shared with each other. And that's what I'm afraid folks who do not have a group that they can meet with where they can share and, and where they can really live life with people. That's the purpose of our life groups. Uh, so we're going to focus on verse 22, which let me read first from verse 22 down through verse 25, but then, and then I'm going to take and, and look at verse 22 from the NLT, which reads a little bit differently. Verse 22, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. So that really sets the stage for this uh, text of Scripture, this passage of Scripture, verse 23, For you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. Everything, in other words, our life is short. It's brief. We're here, and everything else you see around us, it has, a, it has a lifespan, and it's not very long compared to eternity. But he says the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which was preached to you. So he's moving from walking in holiness, walking before that in, in hope, and he's telling these folks, listen, now I want you to concentrate on the connection that you have with each other very important passage of scripture verse 22 uh, from uh, the NLT you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all your heart we're gonna do first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna play like that this is, we're going to pretend this is seminary class on word study. Now, you know, I'm not a seminary teacher, so I, I, it's sort of a, it, it's sort of not a nice thing to say, that, but this is like what they do, okay? This is seminary class. And you're going to get sort of an advanced little study here that makes it real easy because this word study, we're going to look at primarily two words. But we're going to look at two different words for love, which many of you are, are familiar with. Uh, sincere, when it says here, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love. Not everybody will have that in your whatever translation you're using. And there's about five or six I use. I know May and I had this discussion last Sunday. And if you ever wanted to have this discussion, I'm happy to have it with you. But um, the, the word sincere is anupakritas, anupakritas. The word anupakritas in, the, in Greek means undisguised, not disguised. 
This is the real thing. It's not hypocritical. It's the real thing. When I say, Ron, I love you, it's, it means I, I'm saying it with a sincere heart. It's undisguised. It's, it, I'm not trying to hide anything. All right? That's sincere. Now, most of us have had this opportunity to look at the word love a number of times. I'm sure you have. There's, there's, there's several words for love, really three that stick out in Scripture, two that are used here, and that's the two I'm going to talk about. There are two that are used in this passage. The first one, very familiar, and this is the a actual um, transliteration of that word. This has nothing to do with the stupid team that's playing in the Super Bowl today. <laughs> All right? Nothing. But what is Philadelphia known as? The city of what? Yeah. Well, guess what Philadelphia, that's a Greek word that means brotherly love. All right? Now, it's used in the New Testament, Philadelphia, just in this form. There's also the word phileo and some other way. That's not important. Philadelphia is used just like that. If you were to read it in the original Greek that the New Testament was written in, you would read the word Philadelphia. You wouldn't pronounce it like that, but you would read the word Philadelphia. That's the transliteration. It's used three, four, five, six times in Scripture. Now listen to what it says when it uses the word Philadelphia. Uh, who has Romans 12.10? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. All right. About yourself. About All right. Yourself. Be devoted, yeah, the first part, Dan, this is the most important part because that's where Philadelphia is, right? Be devoted to one another in what kind of love? Brotherly. brotherly love, in Philadelphia. So we know that brotherly love that he's talking about here when he says you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters, this is Philadelphia, all right? So that's a brotherly love, and that's how it's used there. Part of brotherly love is devotion. All right? Who has 1 Thessalonians 4.9? Okay. Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. All right. You are taught by God to love each other. And this is, this is Philadelphia. Now, what's interesting, and we're not going to spend any time on that verse because we have another verse we're going to use but the word agapao is also in that word for love too in that verse of scripture you've been taught by God to love one another we'll get back to that in a second who has Hebrews 13 1 let love of the brethren continue let love of the brethren continue <coughs> Philadelphia continue okay same word that's used here now, I want everybody to turn over to see this next word, because, and then I want you to hold your place, because we'll come back to it in just a moment. 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Does everybody have it? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. What does it say? And in your godliness, so he's adding things to their Christian disciplines. Says, and in your godliness, add to this, what's the next one? Philadelphia brotherly kindness and in your what 
Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, what are you supposed to add? Love. Not Philadelphia. The next one is the word, many times we would say the other form of that word you'd be familiar with it, which is what? Agape. You've heard agape. Well, it's actually a Greek word, and this is the word that's used here. Now, agape, as a, a different from Philadelphia, is used 142 times in the New Testament. So it's a very common word in the New Testament. It's Vines, Vines is a, is a great teacher. He said it is the characteristic word of Christianity. The characteristic word of Christianity. And then another great teacher, Strong, he said at least three things. Here's what he said. This is, and this is really good. You may, if I didn't write the verses down on the, on the sheet, you may want to write, scribble these down. To describe the attitude of God toward his son, the human race and believers. So the word agapeo, agapao, I'll say it right in a second. That word is used to describe the attitude of God toward his son, the human race and believers. In two verses in particular. Does anybody venture a guess what those verses are? John 3.16. For God so agapao, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right. It's also used in Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us. God commendeth or demonstrated his agapao, his love toward us, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So he demonstrated this love. So this, is a, this, is, this word describes God's love to convey his will to his children concerning their attitude one toward another, which we've just read. So I won't go into that any further. That's what we're going to see even more so in just a second. To express the essential nature of God. 1 John 4, 8. God is what? What does it say there? God is what? This is not a rhetorical question. Repeat after me. God is what? Right. All right. God is love. God is love. God is agapao. His, his essential nature, his, the character of God is love. It's also true, he uses the same form of speech when he says God is light. All right? And on and on and on. God is love. So you understand the nature of God, the essential nature of God? That's the word that's used. Now, let's go back to the verse. And briefly, you see why I'm only doing one verse today? You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere what? What's the Greek word? Philadelphia. This is brotherly love. This is showing brotherly love. And uh, to each other as brothers and sisters... Now, which word is this? Agapao. Love, God-like love, each other, how? Deeply with all of your heart. So I, I, I did some sincere study, thinking, wondering, praying, asking why that God uses in, in, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Peter. Why did he use... Two different words for love here. And to be honest with you, I told Sally last night, unfortunately she got the preview of the lesson again, so she's hearing it again. But, um, you know, I, I really didn't, <laughs> I've talked like I, I've taught the Bible a long time, but I, I thought, 
I don't really know why. I, I really don't. Why did Jesus say use three different words to Peter for love? Lovest thou me? Did you ever think about that? You know, some of you have heard messages about that. So as I thought about this, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study this and pray about this until I figure it out. Love each other deeply. One more word, but I'm not, I'll give you the Greek word. But this word is an athletic term. He says to love deeply. It means to, actually, the, the literal meaning is to stretch out. It means to um, strive with all of one's energy. It means when you're coming, that guy that's running in the, uh, in the 100 meters and he's coming to the end and he stretches out as hard as he can with all of his energy to cross that tape to beat the time and beat the person that he's racing against. That's the word. So he said, to, it, we, with the love of God, we're going to be able, with that, that love that only he can give us, we're going to be able to use all of our energy with all of our heart to love each other. So when I looked at Philadelphia, I said, well, there's, there's uh, why does he use Philadelphia? Should so, show sincere love to each other. Well, look at the stuff around him. He says, first of all, so now you what? Must. must. Say, you must. He doesn't say, listen, um, Barbara, I've got a suggestion. My suggestion is that your love that you show, that you be sincere. Doesn't say that, does he? It's an imperative. So it's a command. What does that tell you? And somebody, somebody in this class, I talked about this a long time ago. And I'm thinking, Mike, I, you know, I want to give you the credit, but I think it might have been you. When we talked about will, that love is not just the emotion. Love is something you do from, you decide. It's something you do from your will. It includes emotion. But it also, I choose to love. And I, I, that's why we have a command, because the brotherly love that he's talking about, it is a command, but it's, it's an act of the will, not just an emotion. Now, some of you get up in the morning, and the natural emotion of love for your spouse just doesn't ooze out, especially those of you not morning people. I may know someone like that. I don't know. <laughs> Whereas in the evening, some of us. <laughs> but you know what? It it doesn't mean that. Sometimes I have to I have to say. It's, it's Philadelphia time. I've been commanded to love. And then it says, so it's command. You must show sincere love. To, you, must, you must imperative. You must what? Show. Show. You must show. Demonstrate. What does that mean? Demonstrate. Right. You must demonstrate. That's, that's what I was thinking, Charlie, is the... <coughs> The agape part of it is demonstrate, and the Philadelphia is the action. Okay. You know, God, God demonstrated His love. Now, right. 
right. our action is to that's right. share love to others. That's exactly right. And that's that took me a long time to get that, but I'm going to show you that from Scripture in just a second. So that's the demonstration. We're commanded, but we're not commanded just to say, you know, just to say, okay, I'm commanded, and I'm just going to use my spouse because it's easy. That's easy. It's easy for me to love my spouse. Opposite for maybe her situation, but you know, it's easy for me. But there are times when I need to remember that I've been commanded, but I also must demonstrate. That's what February 14th is all about. If you don't demonstrate it, that spouse may say, or that girlfriend or that boyfriend may say, you know, yeah, did you forget something today? You didn't demonstrate it today, did you? Okay, I'm being silly. But at the same time, it's a great truth. And also about this Philadelphia love, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. It is a sincere love. It is a love that's without hypocrisy. So that's Philadelphia described. But then it says that we, it commands us again to love each other deeply with all of your heart. So turn over a chapter, turn, turn to the, this way. Turn to Second Peter, all right? Keep going further right in your Bible. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is what does it for me. This is where I get the connection. Verse 7. And in your godliness and brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, agapeo, love, God's love. So how do I get from this love to this love? What's the practical way of going from here to here? The connection that I saw was he says very clearly in his second book, add to it. And we know that it's that, that Philadelphia is demonstrating your love, right? It's showing your love. It's, to put it in our language that we understand very well, it's acts of kindness amongst Christians amongst believers. It's acts of kindness. So as I am demonstrating my love, what happens? God is adding agapeo in relationship with that person. That's what he said. He said, let's add that. Let's get that love deeper and deeper and deeper. It's showing an act of kindness that leads to that deeper love that's stretching with all of our energy. I've seen it so much in this class lately. It's like when uh, someone takes somebody, picks them up, and I won't say it because it'll, it could embarrass them, but picks them up and drives them to get their cancer treatments. It's an act of love. It's an act of kindness. It's a Philadelphia brotherly kindness. But what does it lead to this godly love that only Christians have because we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts? You know why people come to our church? And if they come, you know why they come to our class? Because they see Philadelphia and agape. And the more we do that, the more deeply we learn to do that with all of our hearts. 
see another example of that is like wheels on wheels. Absolutely. That's an act of kindness, but it leads deeper. That's a good illustration because that act of kindness feeds my mother every day, for example. But you know what? Uh, the, one of the guys that brings the, the food by on meals on wheel to my mother, you know who it is? It's the pastor's father, Dale Stroop. And you see, and when they come in and connect each other and talk about Jesus together and their love deepens, the agapao comes out of the Philadelphia kindness that was demonstrated. Yeah, I was going to share, I read sometime back, I was reading about agape love. He was talking about all the time, but this agape stuck in my mind. And it's the author, whoever wrote what I read, he was trying to... Uh, he was trying to explain that agape love is such a high form of love. It's, it's the form of love, as, as you stated, that, that God showed to, to, to Jesus and that God shows to us. But it's such a high form of love that it, it's, it's hard for us as humans to even assimilate that level of love. That's right. Very difficult. And so he's, and then what his analogy was, and this is what I, what stuck in my mind, his analogy was, was the love that, and you know, mostly the ladies can identify with this, the love that a lady or, or a woman has when she has a child, and the, this love that she's embracing this child that's part of her, looking down at the face of this baby, that is the strongest form of love that this guy who ever wrote this, that he could think of. So that always stuck in my mind, mm. that agape, and, and no offense to the guys, but us guys can't even identify with that. That's right. That's right. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. It is such a... Uh, and the only way I can say... I've, I've heard for years and years and years, I've heard um, our love should be agape love. And you see... I remember when I was a teenager going to the Agape Coffee House, where they, you know, that was back in the Jesus freak days, and all these guys long hair from, oh my baby, I love Jesus, which was weird, um, to say the least. But uh, and and many of them, uh, that's another story. Um, but how do I get this Agape? How do I get close to this? How do I grow? How do I do this? Because you know what it says for me to do this to agape each other deeply with all of your heart. It comes from getting this practice up here. <laughs> the brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness and acts of kindness and acts of kindness and acts of kindness and acts of kindness. All right. Charlie, I've got a footnote here that I think kind of sums it up. It says God wants to produce his character in us. He does. That's right. Because it's his character. God is love. It's reproducing his character. I'm going to close with this. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I want to close these two verses. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love. Jesus said this when he's talking about Jesus the vine, I'm the branches, that passage of scripture. He said, this is my commandment that you love, that you agapao one another. Just as I have agape loved you. Greater love has no man than this, in verse 13, than one lay down his life for his friends. That's agape love. If you flip over to verse 17, this I command you, 
that you love one another, agape. So it's a command. How do we get from point A to point B? I think there's two ways, and you guys have said them both. There's two ways that help me get from Philadelphia love to agape love and my love for my Christian brothers and sisters. One is spending time in the presence of God where I gain the character of God. That's the first way. The second way is by obeying his command and exercising the showing the sincere love to each other by acting on that. And the more I do that, the more I understand what agape love is. So I have a spiritual exercise for us for the month of February. And don't, don't go groaning. It's not, it's not going to hurt, okay? It's not, <laughs> not, not bad. It's not bad. Okay? Sound like George Bush. Don't I say, That's good. It's good. <laughs> it's all good. I'm not going to say anything else about that. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to join me for the month of February. It's a love month anyway, isn't it? Oh. For those of you non-romantic uh, husbands and boyfriends and things like that, I mean, you're going to have to get with it this month, guys, okay? All right. You know who you are. Here's a spiritual exercise I want you to do. Before I show it, how many of you say, I'll do it? Amen? Amen. Okay, you big sissies that said no, then, okay, let's wait. You're afraid to commit. I know, that's part of it. Here it is. Week one, love your family. Oh, he said, well, I got that one down. That's no problem. Good. But I want you to do an act of kindness of Philadelphia so that your agape will grow with someone in your family. So I want you this week, I want you to pick someone in your family and I want you to do some type of act of kindness beyond just getting up in the morning and say, hi, honey, I love you. Can I you know, make up the bed? Which would really be an act of kindness for me. But um, I want you to think of somebody in your family that would benefit. I've already had mine in my mind. I, have, I know exactly what I want to do. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's a member of my family. It's not my wife. Um, I'll try to be nice and love you this way. But it's not my wife, but it's for one of, one of our daughters. But I've thought about what I'm going to do to exercise this gift of loving, because it's a gift to them when you love them. So love your family. Pick someone. Think about it right now. You may not know who it is. I'll remind you about it in a note. I'll send a note out this week and remind you. Okay? So... How many of you would say, I will do that. I'll do that spiritual exercise this week. Raise your hand. I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to embarrass you. Okay, now see the shame some of you. You said, oh, okay, I'll do it. All right. That's what we're good at. This is week two. Love your friends. I'm going to ask you to pick a friend, and I'm going to ask you to do... That's not, you can do this this week too, but I, I, want you, I want you to save the big guns for next week. Use your 22 this week. Next week, use your cannon. All right? So pick a friend for week two, an act of kindness, um, and do that act of kindness, which will deepen your friendship. We don't have many friends. Real, 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 real friends. Think about those friends and say, okay, I'm going to commit week two. I'm going to love my friends. I'm going to do an act of kindness. It will hopefully lead me to more 
of a deeper, fuller, I'm stretching my love. Week three, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. So who's my neighbor? You sound like the people who said this to Jesus. Who's my neighbor? I'm not going to tell you who your neighbor is. I think you probably know. That doesn't mean necessarily the person living next to you. Love your neighbor. Find a way to love your neighbor. You know, if I'm your neighbor and you feel like loving your neighbor means bringing a peach cobbler to my house, Don, then that would be good. Seriously, love your neighbor. The last week, and Mike left, so I didn't get, I'd already talked to him about it. Last week, the last week, week four, love the world. Now, I'm going to give you the deed for love the world. Love the world, the last week, we're going to take a mission offering. And we're going to find, Mike and I are meeting, that's one of the reasons we're meeting this week. We're going to talk about something special that we can uh, do beyond what we're already doing and already raising for the various mission uh, fields that we have an opportunity. So we're going to, we're going to do that the last week. Okay? Will you join me with, in, in doing that to try to increase our love for one another that can be seen? How will the world know that we are his children? By our what? Amen. Let's pray.